Why don't you open your Bibles to the book of Acts, chapter 27. We are going to start there. If you are a guest with us, we have been in a, in a series, kind of just going in an overview through Acts. We've not gone verse by verse, but we've been going over it and seeing how God broke through all kinds of different barriers uh, through the power of the Holy Spirit, as the Spirit of God descended upon the church and released His power and heart in the people of God, that all kinds of barriers begin to be broken. And if you weren't here last week, uh, my wife Ashley uh, shared about bring, taking the kingdom of God wherever we go, advancing the kingdom of God, that that's taking Jesus everywhere, at every time, to every person. Taking the, what was it? What's the Amy saying? The whole, the whole church, whole, taking the whole gospel to the whole world. Let me try to say that again. You were asleep. <clears throat> You're still soaking in worship. The whole church, taking the whole gospel to the whole world. That's good stuff right there. That's exactly why we're still alive. That's why God hasn't killed us yet. Uh, he didn't just take us to heaven right away after we got saved. Uh, and so we're going to look at just here the last couple chapters of, of Acts because it really kind of wraps it up, uh, kind of the story of the people of God in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 27, this is Paul. And Paul has been giving witness to Jesus, giving his testimony before kings. He's been declaring the truth of God. Even though he's under arrest, he's got all kinds of crazy stuff happening. And he appeals to Caesar. And so they're sending him to Rome. So now they send him on a, on a ship to go to Rome. So that's, that's where we are in the book of Acts. Paul has been arrested earlier. He's been beaten for, there's many times that that's happened, but it's happened again. And then finally he has been, he has appealed to Caesar because God has also promised him that he will end up in Rome. It's a very important point to think about through all the stuff that happens next that God has showed up and told Paul, you're going to testify about me in Rome. I, I, I'm sending you to Rome. You need to get there because I called you there. And so it doesn't, all this other stuff that's happening, you'll realize that it cannot stop Paul from getting to Rome because God wants him in Rome. And so they begin to set sail and they, they, they harbor somewhere and it's late in the year. And where is that? In verse uh, 8 there, we arrived along the coast. And it says in verse 9, uh, in Crete, much time had been lost and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the day of atonement. Excuse me. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot and the owner of the ship. Since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. So what's happening here is Paul, Paul is... is he doesn't, maybe doesn't necessarily have a revelation from God, but he gives a warning and says, look, I've been on a few ships before because Paul had sailed a lot. He, he's not a sailor, 
But so there is a there is a reason that Paul is speaking and he's not just one of the prisoners and they're like, thanks for the input prisoner. But we're going to go ahead and go with the pilot and the owner of the ship here. Um, so we can give those guys a little bit of a pass because we can understand that, hey, they were kind of, you know, we're going to go with the pilot and the owner or one of the prisoners. <laughs> what would you pick? Okay, the guy that's in jail or the guy that's the owner of the ship. So we'll give him a little bit of a pass. But Paul knew what he was talking about because he's like, look, this sailing is becoming dangerous. This is just something you should know. But they wanted to take the risk. So they press on. So in verse 13, it says, when a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity. So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. So they're just trying to kind of get around to the other side. You know, they're, they're not really trying to go far. They're just wanting to get to a better harbor. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island. And the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind. So we gave way to it and we were driven along. As we passed to the lee of a small island called Kata, we were hardly able to make the lifeboat secure. So the men hoisted it aboard, then they passed ropes under the ship itself to hold it together because they were afraid they would run aground on the sandbars of Sirtis. They lowered the sea anchor and let the ship be driven along. We took such a violent battering from the storm and the next day they began to throw the cargo overboard. On the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. You know, notice it says the words we there because who wrote the book of Acts? Anybody know? You're like, I don't want to say. Luke wrote the book of Acts. So most likely Luke is actually traveling with Paul at this point. He gets to join in with the fun. You know, when you're friends with an apostle, sometimes you go on a, on a wild ride. So when you make friends with the apostles, just, just, just be aware of that. They're going somewhere, remember? Those apostles, they're going to go somewhere new. So you're going to be in for a ride. And so, so Luke is along with them. And so it, it's, it's a serious deal here. When, they're, when they throw your suitcase out, okay, <laughs> when they throw the fishing gear and all the stuff that's going to get, you know, it, that they're going to need on the ship out, you're in trouble, okay? You don't have any more clothes because it doesn't matter if you have clothes anymore, okay? They're, they're, they're throwing things off the ship. They're like, I'm sorry that's your favorite shirt, but it's going, okay? Wear two if you want to keep it, but it's, it's going on. And so when the sailors are nervous, you know it's serious. When you go on a ship and you've never been on a ship and you're nervous, we don't care what you think. I'm sorry. You know, you're just nervous because you're nervous and you've never been on. But if you've been on a ship a lot and you're passing the ropes under the ship because you're thinking this thing's going to split apart, that's not a ship I want to be on. Okay? This was not a three-hour tour. Okay? <laughs> so whoever's old enough to remember that, there's most people are not. So... <laughs> But remember, who's on the ship? There's one person on the ship that makes all the difference in the world. It's Paul. Paul's on the ship. Verse 21, after they had gone a long time without food, Paul stood up before them and said, I love this. <laughs> Men, 
You should have taken my advice. <laughs> I don't know if I ever get to do this, but this sounds fun. Okay, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm just letting you know how I feel. Uh, I like being right, so... Uh, <laughs> Men, you should, I don't think Paul had that same attitude as me. That's why I'm not getting the opportunity. Okay. But men, you should have taken my advice and not, not to sail from Crete. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said to me, do not be afraid, Paul, you must stand trial before Caesar and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we, mu we must run aground on some island. So what's going on right here is Paul is in a storm that he is only there because of someone else. I mean, have you ever found yourself in that situation where just because, you know, you're along for the ride, but it's, it's not your choices that got you in this place, but for some reason, God has you there with that person or with that group of people. There is a reason. There is a reason that Paul needs to be on this ship. And we're going to see there's so much in this where God's hand is there. But he, he talks about it right there. He says, first of all, God's promised me I'm going to stand trial before Caesar. So in other words, I am, I am definitely going to live. It doesn't matter what's going to happen to any of the rest of you. It doesn't matter what's going to happen to the ship. God has said, this is what's going to happen in my life. And I'm trusting in him. And so, if you're, you find yourself in a situation, you're like, man, I'm in this mess, and this has nothing to do with me. What has God said to you? What is, what has His promise been to you? What do you know in your heart to be true that God has spoken to you? Because you're like, man, this is not my issue, but you're there with that person, and God, you're God, like, God, why am I here? And He's saying, look, you need to believe what I have told you, what I've already spoken into your life, it is gonna come to pass. Don't let go of it. Hold on to it. And so Paul, he receives an extra encouragement from God. He'd already been told this, but then it says an angel appears to him in the evening while he's sleeping, maybe, through the ship, through the storm, and, uh, and promises him this thing, that you're going to make it, and not only are you going to make it, God says, I've given you all the lives on the ship. The presence of a righteous person changes the situation. You don't know. Let me remind you. Let me go back to this first. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you, it says here, he says, of the God whom I belong to, if you belong to Jesus and the God whom I'm serving, and you're serving him, what does it say in the Bible? In 1 Corinthians chapter 5, it says, You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Yeah. That's an important thing to remember. Amen. Like that's how God sees you. That's how the spirit realm sees you. That's how, that's the truth of who you are. 
It doesn't matter if you ran your mouth last week and you shouldn't have. You know, you still should stop doing that, but that doesn't change who you are. That doesn't change who God has said you are. It says, you are a righteous person. <laughs> Sorry, you're just on the front. So, <laughs> But you are. You are a righteous person. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Sometimes we, it's a good thing to say. Can you say it to yourself? Sounds weird, right? I am the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. Doesn't that feel good? I mean, it's not about feeling good, but it's, it's true because it, it lifts something. Rather than thinking of yourself as, I'm a pathetic loser who's barely trying to follow Jesus, uh, hey, that's not who you are. You may still be acting like that, but that's not who you are. You are the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And the, your presence, your presence anywhere changes the whole situation because of who is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And so sometimes God has you on a ship that you didn't want to sail because He needs you there. He needs somebody who's going to hear from God. He needs somebody who's going to testify about Jesus. He needs somebody who has a connection with heaven because everybody else on that ship doesn't. And you're going to change the situation. Not only you're going to change the situation in that moment, you're because you are there, people are going to get saved. This whole ship is rescued because of the presence of Paul. I mean, God didn't say, God said, look, the only reason I'm doing this is because Paul is on the ship. And so the presence of a righteous person, it makes me think about the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 18, when God says, he's, he's gonna, he tells Abraham, I'm going to go destroy two cities. They're called Sodom and Gomorrah because they're so evil. They are pervasively evil and wicked. And I'm going to destroy them. And Abraham says, hey, what if there's like 50 righteous people there? God, are you going to, are you going to, what are you going to do if there's 50 righteous people there? And God says, well, if there's 50 righteous, then I won't do it. And Abraham talks him down all the way to like 10. And says, and God says, hey, if there's 10 righteous people in there. In other words, the, the point I want to make from that story today is this. The presence of the righteous changes the situation for everyone around them. So you don't know what your presence is. You may find yourself at a, at a job situation. You're like, why am I here? Why am I here? Why am I still here? First of all, only God can answer that question. You can't ask me. I'm not going to give you the answer. <laughs> but you are there as a representation of the righteousness of God being present in that place, among that people. There is somebody who's connected with heaven in that place because you're there. And I want to read this quote. This is so amazing. Uh, I loved it so much. It's from a, a guy named F.F. F. Bruce. He's a He's a guy who writes commentaries about Bibles, the Bible books. He's no longer living. But it says this, Human society has no idea how much it owes in the mercy of God to the presence in it of righteous men and women. Let me say that again. Okay, it's kind of, it's in commentator language. I get that. Okay, 
Human society has no idea how much it owes in the mercy of God to the presence in it of righteous men and women. I want to believe that wherever I am, that the mercy of God is going to be released to everybody around me just because I'm there. Maybe he's going to tell me you need to say something. Maybe he's not. But because of my presence there, again, this is not about lifting John up. This is not about lifting you up, lifting up your name. We're all about lifting up what? The name of Jesus. You know, Paul was there lifting up the name of Jesus. He's saying, look, the God I serve has told me and this is what's going to happen. And so Paul stands up. He, he takes leadership of this whole situation. I mean, it's so amazing. This guy's a prisoner, right? <laughs> this guy's going, you know, you don't, they're, they're not expecting the prisoner to do this. They're like, why are you going to prison, man? <laughs> What's going on with you? And, and Paul, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that Paul had chains on. It doesn't matter his situation. He was still in the moment of taking the leadership because God was with him, because God had called him. And it doesn't matter what is wrapping you up or what category someone has placed you in, or they say, you belong here, or you can't do this. If God has said, you know, this is who you are, then that's who you are. And you can take that role of confidence and leadership to say, no, God has called me to be here in this moment. That there, there's not a mistake that it, I didn't, God didn't go, oh my gosh. <laughs> what am I going to do now? Paul's on the ship and it's going to get, it's going to get wrecked. <laughs> oh no. And so, uh, and it's interesting. So Paul says, you know, hey, we're gonna, we're gonna run aground on some island. Hey, I wanna show you the map here. Can we put the map up? There's a picture of a map. So, cause I want you to, you want you to see what's happening here. Okay, so there's where, where Paul left on the, on this side is, is where he departs. Okay? And they end up at Fair Havens. Okay? And they were gonna try to make it, that's where they, they stopped the first time, that little dot on Crete that says, Fair Havens, and they were going to try to make it to Phoenix. You see, they were just going to sail around the corner. That's all they were trying to do was just, can we just get around the corner? And then the storm comes and begins to push them way out into the open ocean. Where they're going to end up there is that little island called Malta over there on on the side. Now, if they don't hit Malta, it's another 200 miles till they hit land anywhere else. Now, I don't think Paul, Paul, I don't think knew where Malta was. He, he, they, may, they might not have even known it existed, okay? Who knows? But Paul didn't know was where Malta was, but God had told him, you're going you're gonna to run into an island. And so he told him, we must run aground on some island. <laughs> I don't think Paul was looking at the map. I think he's just saying, this is what God said to me. And he trusted what God said to him, even though he didn't know anything about the islands in the area. God, I don't know what, what's out there. I don't know where, I don't know where we are. I don't know what direction we're going. But God has spoken and said, you're going to end up in this place. And he said, guess what? We're going to end up in this place because God said so. I'm going to trust in the Lord. My trust is in Him. I'm not going to be shaken from it. It doesn't matter what's going on around me. But I just think it's an amazing picture how unlikely it was that, first of all, that they actually got to Malta. That the hand of God was upon Paul and his life so much that it affected this entire journey for this entire group of people. And they were forever changed. So what happens? Later on, Paul says, 
He breaks bread and says, hey, we need to eat something. He hands out the bread and they, they have a big old meal and says, the time is almost here. And so that's in verse 33 and, and, and following. And then they throw all the grain off the ship. They throw all the food off. Now you're, you're really in trouble if you're on a ship and they get rid of all the food, right? <laughs> the food is now gone. Most of the luggage is gone. All the tackle is gone. Uh, the guys try to escape on lifeboats and Paul says, hey, if those guys get off, they won't be saved. So they, guess what? They cut the lifeboats off. <laughs> bad, bad ship ride. <laughs> Bad ship ride. Okay. Anybody want to go on a cruise now? <laughs> Winter cruise should should be fun. <laughs> Just don't. If they say they're stopping at Crete, don't get on it. Okay. That's all I got to say. I don't get on ships that are three-hour tours or that are going to Crete. Okay. Those are the those are the two rules for me. So they miraculously though it says paul says hey we're about to hit land so they 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 end up hitting land and so we get to verse 20 or chapter 28 and they have landed on the island of that little dinky island of malta they've somehow hit this hit this island and so in verse 1 of 28 it says once safely on shore we found out we found out that the island was called malta in other words they had no clue where they were like where are we and they're like this is this is malta okay Cool. So the islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. And Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. And as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, This man must be a murderer, for though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. And the people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and said he was a god. Okay? So there was... (laughs) That's not the first time that's happened for Paul. Okay? There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the, the chief official of the island. And he welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days and his father was sick in bed suffering from fever and dysentery and paul went in to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him so when this had happened the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured and they honored us in many ways and when we were ready to sail they furnished us with the supplies we needed they depart from Malta after staying there for a good long season. And where does Paul end up? Rome. Right? Exactly where God said you're going to end up in Rome. He ends up in Rome. A little bit different, different direction than he thought he was going to go, but he still ended up there. And then Paul, the rest of Acts is Paul. He just begins to declare the testimony of Jesus in Rome. And then it just cuts off. It just, just doesn't tell us anymore. That's it. It's like the end of the book of Acts. That's it. Okay, what happened after that? Well, all kinds of amazing things. Some of them we might find out about later while we're in heaven. But going back to, to, to the island of Malta, I find it so... This, I just love this account. I know I've preached on it before. I, I've probably preached on it more than once, at least twice. It's probably at least the third time I've preached on Acts 28 and used it. But 
it's so amazing to me that they ended up on this random island and God sent revival there. That God transformed all those people's lives. And they didn't, first they didn't do anything. I mean, Paul wasn't, Paul wasn't even trying to preach. He wasn't trying to do anything. They go into this guy's house. They're there for three days. Just eating, I guess, and getting massages or whatever Publius's house had. I don't know. And they're just enjoying the hospitality for three days. And then at some point, he says, oh yeah, my dad's sick. And it says, after Paul prayed, it says, after he prayed, he didn't pray for him. He prayed first, and then God says, place your hands on him. So Paul placed his hands on him, and he's healed. And then every single person on the island who was sick came and was healed. That's a revival. (laughs) That's a revival when the whole island is changed. And God says, hey, guess what? In the middle of the storm that was taking you somewhere you thought you didn't need to know, I'm going to do something amazing in the middle of nowhere that no one has heard of and no one has talked about and no one even knows the name of and those people that no one has thought about and no one's talking about and no one knows the name of, God says, you're going to go there. And when you go there, there's going to be a righteous person there because you're there. You're the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. And because you're there, Terry, it's different. Something is different because you're there. That God has called you to those places. God, because you're there, it's different. Daniel, because you're there, it's different. The rest of y'all, I don't want to name out everybody because I might mess up some of the names. So um, understand that wherever you end up is not a mistake. The only way it can be, a, a, even if you end up there in a wrong place because you made wrong choices, God's like, still, I knew you were going to get there. And if you'll just be open to me, you'll see my kingdom come and my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes the barrier that just needs to be be broken is just our own thinking, our own mind, our own limited view of what what God is doing, that that he's he's really big, that he, he uses storms, that he uses things that look terrible, that God is not designing life to be easy. That he says, in the, in the, Paul says it too. He, Paul lived it, and so that's what he preached. He said, hey, you're going to get into the kingdom of God through much hardship. So if your life's easy, I don't know. You might want to just check and make sure. <laughs> if your life is hard, congratulations. You're entering the kingdom of heaven. You're walking in God's, God's glory. You're walking with His, He's with you. That's why one of the things I, why Jesus said, I'm gonna be with you to the end, cause guess what? You're gonna need me. You're really gonna need me. You're gonna be walking through some things, and guess what? Those people that you're with, they're gonna need you. And because I'm with you, you can give them something for me, but you have to be there. Because now you're the body of Christ. You're the hands and feet of Jesus. And if Jesus needs to get to the island of Malta, he's got to send someone who's the righteousness of God in Jesus Christ. So I want us to close with something they kind of did on the ship. And that's communion. It says in... Well, let me go back to it and read it there. I kind of just mentioned it briefly, intentionally. But in chapter 27, verse 33... It says, just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. He said, for the last 14 days, 
You've been in constant suspense and gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. That'd be nice. Um, After he said this... (laughs) Maybe I should have quoted that scripture earlier. Um, Sorry. Long time ago, Trevor, you're right. Um, After he said this... I, it's in, you got you to gotta see the wording here. Because everybody who was with Paul, who was a believer, would have known what he was doing. I believe. After it said this, it says, He took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all, and then he broke it. I think that Paul knew that he was receiving communion in that moment. Now, they didn't have any wine or juice or anything on the ship so they had to (laughs) go with what they had right did he make an announcement to the whole crew no he just said let's eat but he did it before them all he gave thanks it's kind of like jesus did before he fed the five thousand i mean it's all a picture pointing to jesus as the offering of thanksgiving to the father and being broken and then they hand out the bread to everybody and so today we get to share in the same miracle that they shared with on that ship. The miracle of the presence of Jesus. That it's, it's amazing that we can have the presence of God with us. And when we remember Jesus through, we, we use a cracker. It just represents the body of Jesus to say, I have received Jesus and he is inside of me. He is in my life. I am receiving all that I have of him into me. Let's just change it up. <laughs> Let's just go for it. So I want I want us to take this a little bit differently today. And if this makes you uncomfortable, I'm kind of sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> but I want us to get out of the the lines to do this today. And so, if you're a guest, we welcome you to join us. If you're a believer in Jesus, please, we, we just invite everybody to participate in this, if, if you can. 